this morning and worshiping. We pray that God was honored by our feeble attempt to worship him. But I appreciate that attempt this morning. That's why we came to church, is to worship and then to listen to his word, to hear his word. If you brought your copy of God's word, we'll be reading from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. As I shared with you a sermon, there is no substitute for church. There, there is no substitute for church. This happens to be Palm Sunday. Next Sunday, of course, will be Easter Sunday. Um, I'm not going to be addressing the activities of Palm Sunday, but I will be referring in the sermon about the importance of the blood of Jesus and what all that entails and how, that, uh, how God uses the blood of His Son to, to uh, minister to us, to save us, to minister to us. Uh, in ways that perhaps we've never thought of. And so let me um, uh, encourage you to be, pray, be praying for this service, but also be praying for uh, next Sunday as we come together to uh, celebrate Resurrection Sunday with a uh, sunrise service here at 7 o'clock and, and then a brief worship service and then Bible fellowship and back for celebration worship. It's going to be a great day. And so I hope you'll be a part of it. I'll make a couple of more announcements about that before we finish. Hebrews chapter 10, a familiar passage. We're going to look at verse 19. <clears throat> We're going to do part one today. We'll do part two whenever the Lord leads us to have part two. But uh, I just had too much to say and so little time to say it in. So listen real quick. Verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. You know how you get in the presence of God? You get there by the blood of Jesus. Paul says in verse 20, By a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near... Let us draw near to God. When we come to church, we draw near to God. Let us draw near to God. How do we do that? We, drew, we do that with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled, sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, having our sins covered from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith, our hope, our assurance, without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. We have a lot of promises in God's word by Jesus, by God himself, and he's going to be faithful to every one of those promises. And let us consider one another to provoke. That doesn't mean to make one mad, but it means to stir up. Let us... Consider one another to provoke, encourage, unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another in so much more as you see the day approaching. Verse 25 is part two. I'm not going to tell you when I'm going to share 25. You know, our Lord Jesus is the you know, he's the one who started the church. The Bible teaches us that he died for the church. 
The Bible teaches us that he sent down his Holy Spirit from heaven to indwell the church. The Bible says, teaches us that one day Jesus Christ is coming back for the church. There is absolutely no substitute for the church. When you and I got saved, if you're a believer here this morning, when we got saved, we received life. John 10, verse 10 says it this way, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. When we got saved, I received a life. I received new life, but I received life, life to its fullest, abundantly and eternally. I received life, and Christianity is life. It's life, but also Christianity is a way of life. And part of that way of life, part of that lifestyle for a believer is attending a local church. Therefore, based on God's Word, there's no substitute for church. None. No substitute. Whatever religious society perhaps you belong to, whatever civic club you belong to, whatever international organization you belong to, there is absolutely, according to God's Word, no substitute for church. He has a special purpose for church for the believer. First of all, Jesus is the head of the church. Because he owns the church. He owns the church. Verse 19. Look at verse 19. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest of holiest by the blood of Jesus. He speaks to the brethren. He speaks to brothers and sisters. You see, we, he's speaking. The word brethren means family. So he's speaking to the family of God. You and I are not necessarily blood-related. In other words, uh, uh, we, we don't have a, an earthly tie. Now, some of you do. Some of you are cousins and uncles and nieces and nephews and, 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 and brothers and sisters, and you have that earthly tie. Uh, but as far as I know, I'm not kin to any of you. Distant, real distant, down to Adam and Eve probably, <laughs> that distant. But we have not an earthly tie, but we have a heavenly tie. We, we're brothers and sisters by a heavenly tie that brings us together as the family of God. Because we all who are saved have been reconciled by God, our sins are forgiven, and we have a personal relationship with Christ. We're members of the family of God. We can call God Father. We can call Him friend. We can call Him brother because Jesus Christ shed His blood paying our sin debt upon the cross. And so therefore, what Jesus did, Jesus owns the church. Verse 19, notice what he says. He, he talks about this boldness, this boldness to enter into the holy of holiest, this boldness without fear. Coming into the presence of God without fear, the priest would go into the, the holy of holy. And, and he would enter it one time a year, and there he would make sacrifice for the people, and there was a veil between the, the, the Holy of Holies and, and outside the temple court. And the priest would go behind the veil, and he'd make sacrifice 
but Jesus died on the cross. And now I have access to the Father. I don't have access to Governor Ivy. I don't have access to Donald Trump. I can't pick up the phone and call the president or the governor. I, I could write the, the president a letter, but perhaps he never would see it. It'd be answered by someone else. I don't have access to him. I'll never be invited to, to the president's uh, uh, office. I, I, I don't have access to him. However, as a believer, as a brother and sister in Christ, we have access into the very presence of God Almighty. Let that sink in as a brother and sister in Christ. Boldness into the presence of the holy God because of why? What does it say? The blood of Jesus. I can enter into the holy of holies because of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus washes my sins away. The blood of Jesus reconciles me to God. The blood of Jesus opens up and makes a, a way, a path into the presence of God. The Bible says you don't belong to yourself. The Bible says you belong to God. The Scripture says what? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, which you are of God, and you're not your own. You were bought with a price. Don't think for a moment that you belong to yourself as a believer. You belong to God. And you were purchased not with, blood, not with silver and gold, but with what? The blood of Jesus. He owns you. He owns the church. He's purchased us. What price did he pay? The blood. His own blood. The blood that flowed down from the top of his head and pulled up at the bottom of the cross. The blood that came from his brow. The blood that came from his scourged back. The blood that came from his pierced side. The blood that came from his nail-scarred hands. The blood that came from his pierced hands, his pierced feet and puddled up at the foot of the cross, that blood, that blood. Acts 20, verse 28, listen to what Paul tells the young pastor, or the pastors, all pastors. Acts 20, verse 28, Take heed therefore unto, unto yourselves, and to all the flock, over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers or under-shepherds to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. There's no substitute for church. None. He owns the church. Secondly, not only does he own it, he leads the church. Look at verse 20, back in Hebrews 10. By a, he leads it, listen, he leads it by a new and living way. He leads the church by a new. That word new means fleshly slain. You know, not, you know when an animal was sacrificed, they didn't bring a, an old animal that had been dead for two weeks and, and left it hanging around where they could offer it as a temple sacrifice. No, they brought a, a new sacrifice they brought a new lamb a sacrifice freshly slain and that speaks of the cross jesus is the lamb of god the 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 fleshly 
slain lamb, the new lamb. Notice, by a new and living way. By a new and underlined living. Living way. Living. The lamb's not slain anymore. The lamb, the lamb is alive. He, he didn't stay dead. The lamb in the book of Revelation that you read about looks as though that it's been slain, but it's there receiving worship and praise of all the nations on earth. Here's the point. So Jesus, don't forget this, so Jesus himself leads us to the presence of God. Jesus does. He died on the cross to provide us a way into the presence of God. And when he was on the cross, when he was on that cross, it, the veil in the temple was, was torn from top to bottom. I mean, it was ripped away like hands took it and just, just ripped it away in order where we could go into the presence of God. How? By the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that that veil pictures the body. You see that? Verse 19, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Verse 20, By a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. My goodness. I mean, his flesh, his, his brow, his hands, his, his side, his back, his, his feet just, just ripped. Why? So that we could enter into the presence of God being led by the Lamb. Here's the point. Don't forget this. I can't lead you. I can't lead you into the presence of God. Terry Wilburn, our, leads our congregation music, cannot lead you into the presence of God. This choir, as beautifully as they sound and sing, they can't lead you into the presence of God. Man cannot lead you into the presence of God. And all the stuff that churches are doing today just to get everybody worked up to get them into the presence of God can't get you into the presence of God. Here's the point. If you're saved... You're in the presence of God. How's that? Because Jesus made a way by dying on the cross for your sins. He owns the church. He leads the church. And third, and I've got to hurry, he rules the church. Who rules the church? Not the preacher. Not the deacons. Not any one person in the church rules the church. You know who rules the church? Jesus rules the church. Look at verse 21. Verse 21 is very clear. And having a high priest, underline it, over the house of God. Who's over the church? Well, Jesus is. And that is referred to the house of God. You know, we tell our children, don't run in the house of God. That's good scripture. We call it sanctuary. We call it worship place. The Bible says it's the house of God. It's where God's people meet. Because 
Jesus rose the church. He's in charge of the church. Verse 21, he rose, notice, having a high priest over the house of God. He rose over the house of God. Over the house of God. Jesus rose it. And Jesus has gone everything, through everything that you're going through. There's nothing you've ever been through, nothing I've ever been through, whether it's loneliness, depression, anxiety, you name it, he's been through it. You're not going through anything new that Jesus hasn't been through. He's been through it. And the Bible says, he, after he went through it, now he's sitting at the right hand of God, making intercession for you. You know why he's sitting? Because it's finished. Nothing else for him to do except one thing, to come back later. Acts 2, verse 35 says, He's, he's made the devil his footstool. I, I really have never really paid attention to that verse. But he's made the devil, he's made his enemies his footstool. I mean, something that you put your, your, your old dirty, stinking feet on. That's what, he's, that's what he's made. Of course, his feet don't stink. But he, he has rested his nail-scarred feet on the demons and on the devil for once and for all. And so he rules the church. If he rules the church, why are you letting fear rule you? Why are you letting anxiety rule you? Why are you letting depression rule you? Why are you letting the devil run your life and rule your life? Why are you in the mess you're in because of sin? When Jesus Christ overcame all that stuff, and it's all under his feet. There's only one boss in the church, and that's Jesus. There's only one ruler in the church, and that's Jesus. And there's only one star, one, there's one celebrity in the church, that's Jesus. There's one star in the church, and that's the bright and morning star, Jesus Christ himself. He rose church. And then number, think what, four? He's the life of the church. Look, if you will, verse 22, real quick. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We're to draw near. When we, when we come to church, we're to draw near to God. How close have you drawn to him this morning? We're to draw near. That's what he says. Draw near to God. The church is a place where we come to draw near to God. Now, notice how we do that. First of all, with a true conscience, with a pure conscience, with a true conscience. No hypocrisy in your soul. No, you, you come to church with a sincere heart, with a pure conscience. We, we, we come to church to draw near to God. And that kind of gives me an understanding that if we do that, we need to prepare before we get here. We need to start preparing before we get here. Preparation for church. Before we get to church, where we can draw near to Him. You see, my, my heart is right and it's sincere because I'm going to church to draw near to God. That's our feeling we should have. My heart is right. My heart is sincere. Now I'm going to church to draw near to God. You know, he, he says this, look, let us draw near with God with a true heart, 
full assurance. Let me, let me tell you something. If you don't have the assurance of your salvation, you can't draw near to God. You draw near to God with full assurance. And if you don't have full assurance of your salvation, you cannot draw near to God. Now, you can have that assurance by truly trusting Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. But unless you have this full assurance of faith, verse 22, that's what the Bible says. It says, let us draw near with a true heart. That's without hypocrisy, in full assurance of faith. I know that I'm saved. And if you're hesitant about that and you don't know if you're saved or not, you can't draw near to God. Having our hearts sprinkled, man, I like this, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our body washed with pure water. Full assurance of faith, confident, no doubt whatsoever. When I die, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to something far better than here. I'm not praying not to leave here. I'm thanking God I have a place when I do leave here called heaven. You can't draw near to God if you're not sure that you're saved. But you can be sure. What's the evidence? The evidence, he says there, is based on a, a, a transformed life. You see, if there, if there is life in us, and we said that at the beginning, there should be some kind of light on us. The Bible says it this way, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Has your life been changed? Has your life changed? Are you the same old, same old before you said you met Jesus? Verse 22, let us draw near with a true, with a true heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled. And so you draw near, you get saved, and then you have to have a conscience free of guilt. Notice what he says there. He says, having our hearts sprinkled from, a, from an evil conscience. Sprinkled, that's an Old Testament word. When a high priest went into the Holy of Holies, he sprinkled blood of the sacrifice on the mercy seat. And, and this means, sprinkled here means applying the blood on the mercy seat. Here's the point. When you trusted Jesus Christ, this is good. When you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you had the blood of Jesus applied to your soul. When you got saved, that old is gone, and all those things you did, the scandals and your sins and those poor decisions you made, or over with. And so, friend, you need to stop allowing Satan to drag up all those things again because they're covered under the blood of Jesus. Don't let the devil accuse you. He's the accuser of the brother. Listen, don't let other people accuse you. Get off Facebook. Somebody starts accusing you. Get off Twitter. Get off whatever social media you own. Don't let the devil will have someone planted there to bring up your past. I guarantee you. I'm not on Facebook. So when something happens, don't expect I see it. I don't see it. The devil wants to pull you down because you can't sense a cleanness to God because you don't have a pure conscience. You don't have this closeness to God because you don't have a pure conscience. You're letting the father of all lies and you're letting one that accuses the brother 
reaccuses you of the sin that's been covered by the blood of Jesus. Remember, the Holy Spirit doesn't guilt you. The Holy Spirit convicts you. The devil's what guilts you. So your sins have been concealed. They've been put under the blood of Jesus. You've been made righteous. You're a child of God. So draw near to God with a clear conscience. I'm going to have to hurry one more time. Our bodies washed. You see that? Let, let, <coughs> let our bodies be washed. That doesn't refer to baptism. You see, doesn't refer to baptism. When, when the Bible speaks about water for drinking, that refers to the Holy Spirit. When the, body, when the Bible refers to water for washing, that refers to the Word of God. So how do I draw near to God? Make sure you're saved, you get assurance, accept Accept all that Christ has for you. Have a sincere heart. Don't be a hypocrite. Um, draw near to him by the word of God. But something else, hold fast. Look at verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of faith. That word hold fast is real, real simple. Literally, it means to stay. You need to get in a church and stay in a church. I don't know any other way to put it. You need, to, you need to stay there, get there, stay there. That's the will of God. That's the will of God. If you're, if you're attending church and false doctrine, get out of that mess. If you're attending church and the Spirit's dead as a hammer, and you don't sense the Holy Spirit working in that church, get out of that church. Find you a Spirit-led church somewhere, get plugged in, start serving the Lord. That's what God wants you to do. You have a confession there in verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. That's, that's, that's our hope in Christ Jesus, for he's faithful, that's promise. And let us consider one another to provoke one another, or to provoke unto love and to good works. Encourage each other. Need to be encouragers. Be encouragers. Uh, come to church and come to church uh, not to complain gripe but come to church to to encourage man there's somebody sitting near you that's had a tough week they just need to someone to speak to them and and be kind to them church is a place you need to be able to come not to be tore down but but, but to be encouraged amen yeah some of you need to be encouraged that's what church is for there's no substitute for church he owns the church he leads the church he rules the church. Then one day we'll see the necessity of it in verse 25. That's how we'll pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to my heart. And thank you for teaching us today, Lord, about the there's no substitute for church. My goodness. Thank you for bringing us together as, as family, as brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you for each member of the body that meets here. Thank you for the spiritual gifts you've blessed us with. Where we needed things and you sent people, those things are being taken care of. You've taken care of your church and you are taking care of your church. And Lord, you own the church. You purchased the church with your blood. You rule over the church. And so help us, Lord, we pray, to draw near to you. Prepare on during the week and 
Saturday night. Be ready to come on Sunday morning to draw near to you, Lord, with a pure heart and pure conscience, clean conscience. And Lord, to come in here and worship you and be sincere with our worship, not hypocritical. And Lord, have that sincere heart, that true heart, pure conscience when we come in here. Help us to encourage one another, serve each other. And Lord, to, to you return. We look for that return. Thank you for what you're going to do today. We make this prayer in Jesus' name.